live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. So why don't we start with the NBA All-Star Game? Like, I've done this a long, long time. I know exactly what I'm going to get when I tune in to the NBA All-Star Game. And I know what I'm not going to get. I know what I'm going to get, and I know what I'm not going to get, and what I'm not going to get is good basketball. I'm not going to get anything watchable. It's like expecting a great phone call in an impromptu hack off. It's never going to happen. Oh, and by the way, clones, you're welcome. You're welcome for the impromptu hack off at the end of last week. You're welcome. You have been on me for years to bring the hack off back. And I said, I'm not doing it. I can't do it. But then, lo and behold, out of nowhere, the hack off brought itself back. And it was totally organic. And like the All-Star Game, the quality of the participation and the contributors was actually straight ass. It sucked. But unlike the All-Star Game, it was actually entertaining. The stars aligned, and somehow, someway, I ended up with a bank, a phone bank of hacks on hold all at the same time. And then unlike the NBA All-Star Game, our All-Star hack did work. So again, you're welcome. You're and no, welcome. that does not mean that I'm going to bring back the adult alarm. Macaulay! Just because I brought the hack off back does not mean the adult alarm is coming back. It's not. That, that, that's more than you even deserve. Like, I can't even believe Alvy went there. It does not mean I'm going to bring back the rat fam with two T's. It does not mean that I'm going to bring back the piece of crap club, even though I did insert myself into that at one point and take Eric Gagne out. That was a real thing. Nor am I going to allow bum smack. But thanks to everybody who participated on Friday, it made our impromptu hack off successful by being terrible. There is a time and place for quality and the hack-off is not it. And neither is the NBA All-Star Game. But of course, I already knew that. Of course, I was not expecting the 2016 Finals Game 7 when I tuned in last night. I expected truly horrible basketball, and I was not let down. However, what I did not expect was the actual worst basketball ever. And that might have been the case. That might have been the actual worst basketball ever played. But don't take it from me. Take it from an NBA head coach who I hold in extremely high regard. A guy who was also a team LeBron coach last night, Michael Malone. You know, it's an honor to be here. It's an honor to be a part of a a great weekend, great players. But that is the worst basketball game ever played. How do you fix it? Uh, I don't know if you can fix it. Gotta love that. When he says, I don't know if you can fix it. What he's saying is you kill it. That's how you fix it. You take it out back, you put it down. That's how you fix it. Got to love that. But doing the work of, quote, with all due respect, in just three letters, it's an honor to be a part of a great weekend, great players, but that was a disgrace and there is no fixing it. It's my guy, Michael Malone. That's why I love him. Strong take from him. And certainly I'm not here to argue that point. You can't fix that. They've tried, believe me. It's not fixable. It's busted. It's irreparably damaged and broken. Especially when a player brought an even stronger take than he did. Malone just said it was the worst game ever played. Jalen Brown went as far as to say it's not even basketball. Quote, that's not basketball. And then he called the game a, quote, glorified layup line. Really? Because that's an insult to layup lines. And again, No guarantee, or I should say no argument here, Michael Malone and Jalen Brown are not wrong. It is a glorified layup line. There is no defense of any kind to be found. And somehow the only person who didn't get that memo, the only person out of the loop on there is no defense to be played is a guy who was in his 19th All-Star game and still somehow, someway, he didn't know that. And just after telling everybody that he's about to hit the 23 most important regular season games of his career, the GM went out and got hurt playing, wait for it, defense. 
defense in a game where nobody plays any defense, which I guess is pretty much the reason why nobody plays any defense. I can give you two reasons why nobody ever plays defense in an all-star game. Number one, because nobody gives a damn. And number two, because this will happen. My man's up there thinking it's game seven of the 26 finals or 2016 finals, trying to make some incredible chase down block from behind. Except it's the all-star game. So what happens? Dude nearly impales himself on the rim. We don't need to see chase down blocks in a game where teams are scoring 100 per half. So in the end, LaFib only lasted 14 minutes, but that was still 13 minutes and 40 seconds longer than Giannis lasted. Giannis entered the game dinged, so the guy goes out there, throws one down, and after 20 seconds, exit stage left. And frankly, 20 seconds of Giannis's attention was all that game deserved. Shouldn't have spent one more second on that. Hell, that pregame show with the draft felt like 20 days. Jason Tatum, on the other hand, was taking this thing very seriously. Tatum put in 35 of the hardest working minutes you're ever going to see. I mean, seriously, my dude has got to be sore as hell this morning. My dude is probably still icing. Ice. Probably still icing and ibuprofening, ibuprofen after that effort. My dude went all Sean Taylor on that meaningless exhibition game because he hoisted up 31 shots, including 18 threes in 35 minutes. I mean, can that dude even lift his arms today? It almost feels wrong that you would end up with a scoring record for an all-star game. Like, that's nothing to be proud of. Then again, of course, the scoring record fell in that game because, again, it was a glorified layup line, and they were both pushing 100 in the first half. Yo, my man, if you want to be really impressive with it, you should have put up that 55, the double nickels by halftime. If you really want the record and you want to mean anything at all, get the record in the first half. The only thing that can make that experience any worse would be to make us sit through a boring-ass draft for an hour before the game, which is even more boring-ass than the draft, which is, of course, exactly what happened. Basically, the night was ruined before the game even tipped, and you knew the game, the night would be ruined once the game was tipped, so it got ruined every which way, and then somehow, somehow, everything got worse. Even the Elam ending couldn't save that game. That was the only thing that recent All-Star games had going for them. You know, like the last 90 seconds of actual basketball at the end of the night as teams approached the fixed scoring ending. But even that backfired last night and somehow made the end of the game even more pathetic. Forget the Elam ending. No less a legend than Dom Toretto could even save this game. But man, he came close. He came close. That pregame hype speech from Dom was absolutely incredible. Have you seen this or have you heard this? Because who doesn't immediately associate an NBA All-Star game in Salt Lake City with? In fact, let me do this with you. Maybe you didn't see it. Let's play word association. I'm going to say something and you blurt out no matter where you are, at home, in your car, at Starbucks, at work. You blurt out loud the first thing that comes to mind, and I bet you'll nail it. Even if you didn't see what happened last night. This is easy. This is a really easy one. You ready? I'm going to say something, and I don't care where you are, or just yell it out. Ready? Here it comes. Salt Lake City. Vin Diesel. Exactly. Who didn't get that? I had no idea what he was doing there, honestly. I have no idea what he was doing there. I'm just happy as hell that Dom Toretto was there. Not only was Dom Toretto there, he was giving us exactly what we want. The sec awkwardness, like the most awkward bleep ever. But he gave us what we want. He knows his room. He played the hits. No sooner than Dom rolled out on the floor, and I mean rolled out on the floor, dude went with his out-of-place, random context family reference family. listen to part of alvin play as much of this as you want this is so awkward 
and so awesome. The hell is Dom doing on that floor before that game, setting the stage? Check this dude. As a kid from New York, I used to dream about coming Can I stop to right there, NBA Albie? Game. That let's go is not inserted by Albie. That really was some dude screaming, let's go, to Dom. Go ahead, Albie. As a kid from New York, I used to dream about coming to an NBA game. And that's why I'm so honored that the NBA asked me to present this year's All-Star Game. We're here to witness the best players in the world to experience true competition in its purest form. What the hell is this dude talking These about? These players what? have made sacrifices. Here it comes. Wait for game it. Game after game. Wait for it. Play after play. Wait for it. So families there like it could be inspired. Hey now, are you craving some protein after a good workout? Of course. Can I tell you, I'm starving after every workout. So this time, do not make a shake or eat a bar. Grab a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper instead. Why Old Trapper? Because Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty and it's tender. And it's made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire. And Old Trapper is a family-owned business that takes smoked beef extremely seriously. And you can taste it in every single bite. I mean, who wants dried out rough beef in a bag nobody it's like eating a shoe old trapper though is the real deal and it comes in four amazing flavors old-fashioned is sweetened with a touch of brown sugar goodness teriyaki peppered and hot and spicy for those who like to take things up a notch so next time you want a great protein and energy snack that you can have anytime anywhere grab some old trapper beef jerky look for old trapper in the clearview bag that way you can see exactly what you're buying look for it in major retail stores near you if you don't see it clones ask for it by name because no other jerky compares old trapper what is your beef you knew he was gonna shoehorn that in there we're not even shoehorn it who isn't ready to sprint you through a brick wall. Yeah, thanks, Don. We got it. Who's not ready to run through a brick wall for this dude? Even Jonathan, shot out of a cannon, Gannon, is jealous of this dude's fire. Buckle up. Let's go to work. What's up, Bird Gang? What's up, Jonathan? However, this dude, and by the way, did you see Jonathan's act and how awkward he got with his players? Like, wow, man. I understand the NFL is now a nerd-driven league because of analytics and metrics, but dang. Anyway, so Toretto gives the people what they want. Most of all, he gave Twitter what it wanted. He played the hits. He wedged some bullcrap in about his family, and that made people happy, but not as happy as the fat that dude is gone from and is now rolling with this dude went from being all swole to just swollen i mean dude my man mix in a benadryl before you hit the court how many guys did it take to pull toretto away from the craft services table to remind him that it was time to make that speech then again isn't this the dude who once said quote i live my life Four quarter pounders at a time. I live my life a quarter mile at a time. No, that's not how I remember it. I live my life four quarter pounders at a time. Right? Avi, what do you hear? What I you live hear my life a quarter Four mile pounders at a time. time. Exactly. That's what I heard. My dude, it appears that you're fighting a losing battle with gravity, age, and Botox. And like they always say, you cannot out-Botox a bad diet. Believe me, that All-Star game was fast and furious. Fast because the very best part of the night lasted about a minute 20. Furious because I wasted what felt like 18 hours on that game. Fast because the best part was the minute 20 that Dom got up there and started spitting whatever it was he spit into that mic. And furious because I'm still pissed that I lost those 20 hours and I'll never get back. Now, here's the good news. 
since all professional leagues are essentially copycats, I got to wonder, is my dude John Wick going to intro the MLB All-Star game? That would be smart. That would be awesome. My dude Wick would be all, yeah, Yeah. I'm thinking I'm I'm back. And then all these players put a lot on their backs. No, no, back. Let me run that back. Yeah, I'm thinking I'm back. Yeah, I'm thinking I'm back. And all these players put a lot on their backs to get to this level so I can watch with my family. If I had a family, but some a-hole killed my one and only member of my family, my dog. A dog that my wife gave to me. The only thing I had to remember her by. Hope that was worth it. We're going to trade a dog for half of the city. You put a slug on my dog. So now I'm going to kill half of New York City as a result. Love Wick. I just hope that the NHL can lock up Vin or Dominic Toretto to intro their all-star skills challenge and let him roll onto the ice in a 10-second Zamboni. I live my life a quarter mile at a time. So enjoy the show. Love. (laughs) So enjoy the show. Love. And he walked off on that. And that's not all. Then you had my dude Chuck. You know, I love Chuck. Charles Barkley is one of my favorite guys ever. My man Chuck had himself a night, allegedly. Happy birthday, by the way, to Chuck. 60 years young, still bringing the heat, still bringing the takes, still bringing the funny, still bringing the Patron, whatever my man was on. Like this incredible review of Salt Lake City. That's what Chuck had to say. These people going to heaven up this way. Ain't nothing to do with this boring ass city. Now it's boring. Boring ain't nothing to do with it. I thought it was great. You just it's a great city. No, you just was like, oh, ladies, it's a great, it's a great city, but ain't nothing to do here. These people all going to heaven. Oh my gosh, I've never ate so much room service in my life. Can't smoke, can't drink. These people going to heaven. Can't smoke, can't drink. I've never had so much room service in my life. This is a boring-ass town. These folks are going to heaven. It's Salt Lake. It's not a bad thing. Relax, man. You know I got your back. We had a tour stop in Salt Lake back in the day. Salt Lake's always been a big jungle town. Beautiful town. Beautiful town. You know, maybe not the easiest to get down or get nice in like you can in, say, L.A., New York, South Beach, New Orleans. But there is a silver lining, a huge upside. Y'all are going to heaven. So don't get it twisted. Chuck is not picking you out and putting you down. By the way, it didn't sound like my man had trouble finding a little action, did it? Before he hit air? Because Chuck, Chuck played it off like he had a Mary Sue Coleman moment. He blamed it on the feedback. He blamed it on the mic. But yeah, I'm not really sure. I know this. Shaq wasn't buying it. Selections among the reserves. Man, ain't no bad picks today. All these guys are great. Why does it sound like you're drunk? You all right? No, man. It's my mic. No, it ain't the mic. It's, it's, it's my mic. mic. Hey, Mark Cuban. <laughs> I you down there. You all right? Yes. Hey. What the hell are you drinking? <laughs> no, man. It's, it's my mic. I got a delay. <laughs> a no, delay. It's my mic. He sounds like Mary Sue. Not as pronounced, but tell me, and I love you, Chuck, but. I got a delay. Today. I've got a delay. All these guys are great. It's a tradition. All these guys are great. Hey, listen, I don't know if he was or wasn't. I'm having fun. I don't know if he was or wasn't, but I know this. If anybody could, it's my man Chuck. 
Chuck's world, man. Chuck can do anything he wants. You imagine if I rolled out here on Monday morning? Of course, I mean, I'm me. Who am I? Nobody. Who's Chuck? The guy. You imagine if I rolled out here and said, Good morning. Alvi, it's the mic. I got a delay. <laughs> I love Chuck. Love, love Chuck. Anyway, who knows what happened. All I know is without Chuck and without Dom, what do we have to watch last night? Nothing. Nothing. Thank goodness for Dom's hype speech. Otherwise, we had no reason to tune in. Maybe next year they can just play flag football. That way LeBron will not impale himself on the rim. And the product will be better and more entertaining because as it stands right now, the best thing about that All-Star weekend was Toretto getting up there and doing what the hell he was doing, Chuck pulling a Mary Sue Coleman, and the NBA throwing you clones a bone and letting Jewel sing the national anthem. It's almost like they had you in mind, clones. Hey, Alvin, what's that drill? Oh, she's at the dentist. I get it. I remember now. The only thing that happened the entire weekend, really, that salvaged that weekend was Mac McClung Saturday night. More on that a little bit later on. So but as it stands, like could be inspired. and Dom, and Dom. Family. Bottom line on that long, fat opening block, fat. that was quite possibly the worst basketball game ever played. And that's not just me. Anybody who had anything to do with that debacle knows what I'm saying is true. If not for McClung, Dom, and Chuck, there'd be nothing redeemable about that weekend at all. At all. I got a delay. I just learned Discover credit cards do something pretty incredible. At the end of your first year, they automatically double all the cash back you've earned. That's right. Everything you've earned doubled. All the cash back from eating at your favorite soup dumpling restaurant doubled. All the cash back from that trip where you sort of learned to snowboard doubled. And the best part, you don't have to do anything ridiculous to get it. Nope. Discover does it automatically. Seriously, though, see the terms. Check it out for yourself at discover.com slash match. Led the Battlehawks on a dramatic come from behind win over the San Antonio Brahmas in the XFL opener 1815. AJ McCarron is my guest. AJ, it's great to have you on. How are you? I'm good, Jim. How are you? It's been, uh, hell, I think the last time we talked was um, after the national championship in 2012, I think. My man, I knew it was just a matter of time. I was willing to wait you out. I knew you'd come back in. I knew I'd find a way. <laughs> so it's great to hear your voice. Good to have you. Listen, so you were involved no, in a wild, wild come-from-behind win in your first XFL game. What was the entire experience like for you, AJ? Uh, I mean, it was unbelievable. Um, as I, I told we had a great team meeting the night before and talking to the guys just told them it was going to take everybody in the organization like going into this thing you, you don't know what to expect we didn't have any film on, on san antonio and we were going to have to learn on the fly and um and, and we always preach just family and uh and i think that's really and truly what what brought us together in the end it was never any any doubt we felt like we always had a chance and uh we put it together when we needed it most. AJ McCarron joining us. I think that's really interesting what you said. Like, you go into a game and you've got no film on the other team. You know literally nothing about the opposition. You're getting to know your own guys. I'm kind of curious, like, what's your locker room like? What's that group like? And what's the chemistry of the group like as you get to know each other? Yeah, it's crazy um, to think about it, really. Like, the chemistry we have as a team is unreal. It's like we've been together for um for years and we have a really good group of guys um and we, we don't have any bad dudes on our team everybody comes to work every day uh and, and just puts everything out there and that's all you can ask for right so uh us sticking together and, and not wavering last night um and everybody still just believing this there was time on the clock we had a chance to go win it and uh and then when we got in that two minute mode uh, to go down and score, um, 
it was it was something that was magical for sure. I love that. AJ McCarron joining us. I'm going to talk to you about the end of the game in a minute. But after the game, you were pretty emotional. What was running through you in that moment? Like, why do you think that hit as hard as it did in a good way? But why did that hit the way it did for you? Yeah, I, listen, I, I'm, anybody that knows me and has watched me throughout my career, I I, I play every, every game and every snap like – um, it could be my last, and um, from a competing standpoint, I think people that have played with me know that I, I compete um, at an all-time high, and uh, I, I absolutely hate losing. So um, the fact that coming from behind and winning the way we did and then having my, my boys there, um, or my two oldest, uh, my third one, uh, my youngest is at the house back in Mobile, but my two oldest there and them being old enough to know you know what daddy does and uh and and watching the game and being part of it was just uh like I like I said just creating memories for them and for myself uh something that you know we'll remember forever you know AJ maybe that response that you just shared being able to share it with your family and create memories maybe that's part of the answer to what I'm about to ask you but you're still just 32 you look good yesterday I mean, you probably could have taken a shot with an NFL team, maybe grabbed a bigger check. So why did you decide to go this route? Yeah, for me it was, um, you know, going a different route and not just being a a, a backup. And I had multiple tryouts and uh, some situations that I felt I, I, I could have went and done a backup role. But um, my, my six-year-old, my oldest trip, he uh, – I came home one day and he was watching YouTube highlights and just said, dad, I want to watch you um, play football again. And uh, I think that's what hit with me. It was, listen, I've, I've made money in my career and, uh, and I, and I've done that route for a long time. And so to be able to go back to leading the group um, and, and helping an organization and, and a team win uh, was something that I really wanted to do and have that opportunity to play and, uh, for my my boys to be able to watch me and create those memories is uh, something money can't buy. It's such great response. And if you saw the game and the interview on the field afterwards, your two boys came over. It was like a really, really sweet moment, really dramatic. We're talking to A.J. McCarron of the St. Louis Battlehawks. So, like, there's a number of rules, A.J., that are exclusive to the XFL that make it different and in a lot of ways more exciting than typical games. As an example, instead of taking a shot for an onside kick, there's the option to convert on 4th and 15, another cool yeah. XFL rule. You did that. What did you call in that situation, and then what did you see on that play? Yeah, it was um, – the crazy thing is we we repped it for the first time on uh, Friday, so our, our last practice of the week. Um, hey, this is an opportunity that we could have. If we get in this situation, we're going to choose between these two plays. Um, and then Bruce being able to – our OC uh, asking me, hey, which one do you like more? I, I went with the play we ran, and um, I, I knew I was going to have to extend a little bit, try to buy some time as much as possible. O-line did an unbelievable job of uh, cleaning up blocks and then uh, guys running the routes at the right depth and being where they're supposed to be, and uh, us just making a play was huge and gave us a chance. So I love that rule. Like, again, you have your choice between an onside kick or fourth and 15. You went with that. You converted. Other rules are there's one-point conversion. There's a two-point conversion. There's a three-point conversion. In other words, you're down 12 with about three minutes to go. Like, how wild are these rules? And then how much more exciting is it knowing that you've got a shot where ordinarily you might not? Yeah, no, I I think that's what makes, you know, the XFL so entertaining, right, is um, the fact that you have all these different options to choose from, um, and, and even the NFL, it's why they moved the extra point back uh, years ago, uh, was to try to make it more entertaining, right? Because I think for a while the extra point was at like 99%, um, almost 100%. And so um, they, they're trying to find ways as well. And the XFL impl- implementing this um, extra point rule and, having different options is what makes it entertaining and, and fun and kind of leaves you in a uh, deal where you're, you're never completely out of it. Um, so um, we, we executed 
when we when we needed to and uh, and came out with the win. AJ, before you go, I'm curious. A couple of years back, you had torn that ACL. I'm curious when you were rehabbing that thing. I don't think, and I talk about this a lot. I don't think fans understand that when you have an injury like that. Yes, it's part of the game. It's part of the business. You know this going in, but that doesn't mean that it's not lonely, man. It doesn't mean there aren't dark periods. It doesn't mean there's not anxiety. When you were rebuilding your knee, was it just because you have to do this and you're a father, you want to be there for your kids, or did you do it with moments like this in the back of your mind? What was driving you during that rehab? Yeah, Jim, I think it's every everything you just mentioned. You know, um, hell, I, I, I left um, Atlanta. Kids were in school uh, up in Atlanta, and I was going back and forth to Birmingham with uh, – my doctors from Alabama and then uh, Kevin Wilk, who I think the best in the country out of Birmingham. And uh, when it comes to a rehab standpoint, and, um, but one having to be there for a health reason, but two, like you said, being able to uh, give myself this opportunity to still play the game that I've been playing since the age of three and, uh, and, and knowing that I still had plenty of football left in me and being able to create these memories um, like I talked about uh, with my boys. So um, that's definitely the things that drove me. So final thought, I know you're focused on what's in front of you. I know you're committed to this organization. I know you're committed to the guys that you're playing alongside of you. I know you are where your feet are. But again, you're still just 32. Yesterday's evidence, AJ, that you can still play. Is it your goal to make it back to the NFL still yet? Where do you come out on that? Yeah, I, I, I listen. I, I'd love to, um, but I, I'm I'm big on and like I tell these guys here, like if we win, um, you know that's why I'm so thankful for the XFL to uh, Dwayne and, and Miss Danny and everybody else involved. Like uh, they, it, this league has been unbelievable from the start. They they run everything in a professional way, but you know us being where our feet are. Um, and being thankful for this opportunity. And if, if we win as a team, it's just like in college. You, you win at Alabama, everybody is going to get looked at on that team, whether you were a starter or not. So uh, they, they, people want winners around. And uh, if we just win, take care of business, everybody's going to get the opportunity to play at the next level and, uh, and have those options. And, and that's what you want are options. It's a great win, a great start. A.J. McCarron joining us. A.J., so good to have you on. Loved watching it. Glad that you and I could finally get caught up. I appreciate you, man. Thank you so much. Of course. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Guys, keep yourself tight and feeling confident with new and improved Dove Men Plus Care Antiperspirant, reformulated with 72-hour sweat and odor protection and one-quarter moisturizing cream. Stop worrying about your underarms so you can be present for the moments that matter. Do not let underarm insecurities keep you at arm's distance from the ones you care about. Buy new and improved Dove Men Plus Care Antiperspirant with 72-hour sweat and odor protection wherever personal care products are sold. So, Danbody here in SoCal, go to Riv over the weekend. Did you check out the Genesis Invitational? After a pretty scintillating Saturday, where Tiger Woods not only made the cut, but he shot 67. All the old Tiger honks busted out all their old red polos and were geeked out of their minds, thinking something even better was going to happen yesterday. I get it. I know you honks better than you know yourselves. You're totally irrational. And Saturday, frankly, was cool. I'm not here to bag on the guy. I'm not here to hate. Saturday was cool. Saturday was him kind of fighting through a lot of things, turning back the clock a little bit. It was fun. It was cool. It was impressive. But Sunday, as expected, dude completely gassed out. He had five bogeys. He finished in a tie for 45th. Again, I'm not here to pile on. I'm here to say, good job, good effort. Good job, good effort. And yes, like it or not, honks, like it or not, cat, this is what it's come to for the cat. It's not even the worst thing. It's the most real thing. And actually, believe it or not, I actually think it is something to celebrate. I do. Dropping a participation trophy or a moral victory on this dude might be a reason for him to go. Like, if you listen to him, nothing's changed. If you listen to this dude, a participation trophy or a moral victory is a reason to go. I mean, that's who this dude is. 
However, I'm here to tell you what we saw this weekend was actually positive, and it's his new norm. That's where this guy lives now. It is what it is, and it's not the worst thing ever. Far from it. The worst thing ever was him wrapping his Escalade around that tree back in the day and Elon rushing in to finish him with his nine, allegedly. That was the worst thing ever. This, on the other hand, I actually see as a positive because the guy managed to not only walk 72 holes, not easy for a guy like that, but actually walk and swing his bats for 72 holes, even if he did gas out completely in the end, which is to be expected. I mean, I know he'll run out this nonsense that he was there and there for one reason only, and that's to win. I mean, frankly, the guy probably even believes that. How do you think guys like that get to be that guy? Because he believes things like that. But remember, this is the same dude who's on record as saying second sucks, third is even worse. So if second sucks and third is even worse, what does that make 45th? Again, the guy really does hit the track thinking he has a shot to win. And he's not there for participation trophies or moral victories. But what I'm saying is, in a way, maybe he should be. Because he just finished, and there were a few electric moments, and that is a moral dub. The dude's 47. 47. Let's not lose track of that fact. 47 and completely busted up. What's he playing for at this point? I mean, he can convince himself it's wins. But do you really think this guy's going to string together four consistent, really good rounds in a row, given where he's at physically? I mean, that's not realistic. And that's fine. That's all right. That's a good weekend for that guy. That's his new norm. That's who that guy is. Anytime this dude makes an appearance, makes it to the weekend, finishes all 72, that's a win. I'm not even being sarcastic. Like, don't get it twisted. This dude's not going to win anything that matters anytime soon. And that's not a shot at the cat. Hell, I'm actually impressed that that guy was even out there. Let's not forget, this dude shattered his entire leg in a car wreck only two years ago. The fact that he's even out there, much less walking 72 holes, playing a full 72 holes, going up and down on that track, is pretty impressive. Like, I know he wants to win, and I know you tiger honks, especially you tiger honks in middle age, are the biggest myopians ever. But this dude's not going to win anything anytime soon. Probably ever again. And that's fine. Just getting back on the track is a win. Just rehabbing and grinding it out and doing the work and putting himself in position, even to go as low as he did Saturday, is a win. I'll tell you what's a win. Not winning a major, but showing up and finishing all four majors in the same year. You know what that is? That's the new Tiger Slam. And yeah, I've taken plenty of runs at that cat over the years and probably not even as many as he deserved. But I respect this dude. I respect this dude this much for going as hard as he did to rebuild that leg and to rebuild himself and put himself in position to return to the course. I guess what I'm saying is, and I'm not being flip, that was the grittiest, most determined 45th I have ever seen in my life. Good job, good effort, Cat. I mean, that actually showed some balls. That was the grittiest 45th place finish I have ever seen. So the question now is, what now? Does he try to mix in another tourney before the Masters? Seems to me the way he laid out what he has to do just to get back on the course after shooting around, like he was talking about how he basically sleeps in a bath of ice. I don't know if that's an exaggeration or not. But, like, spends all his time in the ice tub. Then he's got to find a way to get his glutes to fire. Then he's got a whole team that gets him ready. I don't see how this guy can play again before the Masters. As much as that would benefit him if he could. You know, then you get another tourney in. If he could somehow get his body to a place where he can rest, recover, get another tourney in, then show up at Augusta, I mean, then things get pretty freaking interesting. Notice I didn't say he'd have a great look at it. I said things get pretty freaking interesting. 
Sorry to rain on your parade, honks, but this is who this guy is. This is this cat's new normal, and I'm actually really impressed. More impressed with him finishing 45th than I've been with the guy in a long, long time. It's a lot of grind and grit to grind out that 45. So to me, that was a good weekend for the old cat. Even if the old honks think this dude can still win, which he can't. I've actually never been so inspired by a 45th place finish. Good job. Good effort, Cat. Seeing this dude grind that out was one of the most impressive. Follow me on this. Seeing this dude grind out a 45th place finish on that shattered leg and everything else he's been dealing with was one of the more impressive athletic feats I've seen in a while. Man, if I were him, I would celebrate that. If I were him, before turning the G5 and heading home, I'd go down to San Diego and try to work out with some Navy SEALs and then take them to lunch and force them to get separate checks. Run it back, man. Run it back. Go old school with it. Work out with some SEALs, get loose, and then make them pay for their own lunch. Anyway, anybody at Riv over the weekend? Anybody take that in? What do you think? Do you see it differently? Can this guy actually contend for anything? Can you see this guy stringing together four rounds in a row? I don't see it. But I like what I saw. Dude was jacked up now. He even admitted afterwards, more jacked up than he let on. 1-800-636. You see? A positive take on the cat. Good job. Good effort. Dude's not running down the likes of John Rahm and Max Homa. Hey, John. Just not happening. This message is sponsored by Discover. Did you know that you could reduce the number of unwanted calls and emails with online privacy protection? The latest innovation from Discover. Discover will help routinely remove your personal info, like your name and address, from 10 popular people search websites that could sell your data, and they will do it for free. Activate in the Discover app. See terms and learn more at discover.com slash online privacy protection. I'm not sure how the majority of your weekend went, clones. I don't know. But I'm pretty damn sure you all had a better weekend than former NFLer turned fist fighters weekend. You know what I'm talking about, right? The self-glossed Kraken, a.k.a. Greg Hardy. Yes, sir, because the Kraken got cracked a couple of times in his bare-knuckle boxing debut. That didn't take long. Was my man just signed by the UFC not that long ago? He's already dropped down to the bare-knuckle. Bare-knuckle guy, don't at me. But you got you got to admit, you're not. Knuckle mania is not UFC. But in a way, I'm glad that it's not. My man went bare knuckles. One thing to fight with small gloves. Another thing to fight with no gloves. My man went bare knuckle and got knocked the hell out. I'm pretty sure the dude got iced twice when the former NFL pass rusher and UFC fighter entered an entirely different world as an overwhelming favorite at Knuckle Mania 3. I would imagine those behind Knuckle Mania probably thought to themselves, all right, we got ourselves a draw. We got ourselves somebody that's going to get us some earball or eyeballs and ears on the product. Probably, and, and again, nothing against, quote, Josh, stay down Watson. And by the way, great handle, stay down. Josh, stay down Watson. Part of the problem here is I don't think anybody really respected Josh stayed on Watson enough because Hardy went in as an overwhelming favorite and stay down made the former Pro Bowl defensive end feel his fists and did so pretty often and pretty early. He caught him with a hard left in the first round. Watson said he would not be So you hear the announcer say, Watson said that he would not be intimidated. Bam. Caught him a good shot. Left hand. You've got to see the left by stay down. 
You got to see the left by stay down. The ropes are the only thing that saved the former Richmond Rough Rider from not staying down for good. Because I'm pretty sure this cat was knocked the hell out on his feet. But saved by the ropes, saved by the bell. Because what happened next, well, let's just say his cowboy career was way more impressive as this dude straight got slept by stay down. Emergency from watching right there. He knows he's got a bad cut. He might have to enter this right now. You can actually hear it, the sound. Of course, we all know that sound. That is the sound of a fist cracking a jaw. No gloves. I mean, you can hear it, Alvin. If you were to play that back one more time, and that's not enhanced. Alvin did nothing to enhance that sound. You can hear the way that shot sounds. Emergency from watching right there. He knows he's got a bad cut. He might have to intercept right now. I have earbuds in. Maybe you can't hear that on your monitor, but I heard that. That sounded like that was a clean shot. That sounded like that was a shot that puts a dude to sleep. That sounded like an absolute ice job shot. So when this dude wakes up, because I'm pretty sure he's still sleeping that off, he's going to need tons of ibuprofen. I can't imagine the BK FC organizers being all that thrilled with Greg once he does wake up either. Let's just say that I think that they were pretty confident in Greg winning his fister considering outside of Watson's. And again, I'm not looking to disrespect him at all. I saw the punch that dude carries. That dude's got some heavy hands now. Outside of his one-and-one record in bare knucklers, though, my dude hadn't even fought an MMA fight in damn near a decade. My man hadn't even won a fight in MMA in nearly 12 years. And then they put him in with Greg Hardy, and he puts Hardy the hell to sleep. I'm guessing organizers didn't like that very much. I could be wrong. I mean, they got me talking about it. If Hardy wins that fight, I'm not talking about it. So maybe that's a good thing, but not a surprising thing. This is what happens when you go into business with the Kraken. You leave disappointed or pissed off or infuriated. As for stay down, Great nickname, stay down. I don't think he had to tell Hardy to stay down. My man was out. He was out cold. He could have changed his nickname to out cold right there and then. Anyway, stay down was not exactly doing that afterwards. In fact, he was quick to let the world know that Hardy did not put any proper respect on him or his great nickname. I knew from watching all of his previous fights, he doesn't like to get hit. Um, He's a big guy. He's never been, you know bullied in his life. He's always been, the, not, not calling him a bully, but he's always been the one who's gotten away with the pressure. He doesn't like to get hit. I knew as soon as I landed on him, he wasn't going to like bare knuckle. That was the other biggest hole in his game, is he wasn't showing me no respect. He was looking past me. He wants that super fight with Ben Rathwell. He can't even make 285 pounds. He thinks he can make it 265 for a title. He, doesn't, he wasn't looking at me at all. I like it. Stay down. Just don't. Quote, I knew from watching all of his previous fights, he doesn't like to get hit. He's a big guy. He's never been bullied in his life. He's always been the one who's gotten away with the pressure. He doesn't like to get hit. I knew as soon as I landed on him, he wasn't going to like bare knuckle. Quote, that was the biggest hole in his game. He wasn't showing me no respect. He was looking past me. He wants that super fight with Ben Rothwell. He can't even make 285. He thinks he can make 265 for a title. He wasn't looking at me at all. Dude was not in shape either. Quote, maybe he's never been bullied in his life. Yeah, maybe not, but he's definitely bullied other people. Women in particular, especially women. When you're as polarizing or as bad of a guy as Hardy is, well, people are going to celebrate him being put down. People are going to celebrate a guy like that getting put to sleep. Safe to say most could not wait to rush in and kill this guy on social. I think safe to say 
Hardy has no one in his corner. And when he does wake up, the one thing he does not want to do is check his mentions because they are vicious. Vicious as Stay Down's left hand. At Mike Woa TV tweeted, quote, not going to lie, seeing wife beater Greg Hardy getting his memory erased is a thing of beauty. Sign him up for the Power Slap League next, Dana. Hey, Cowboy fan, you also had to wear some of that because, of course, he was one of the guys that Jera was all in on after his legal issues. At Eagles Film Study tweeted, quote, this Greg Hardy fight is just like the last or the past 25 years of Dallas Cowboys. Talk a lot of bleep, but when they finally get in the ring, they get knocked the bleep out. I mean, Cowboy fan, that's funny. Don't tell me that's not funny. And most of all, Cowboy fan, don't tell me that's not true. Not that the Kraken is laughing. Release the Kraken. Dude, he released his jaw on Stay Down's left hand. Dan Wojcicki is my guest. Dan, good to have you back. How are you? Jim, I am great. I am trying to shower the, the stink of Sunday night's All-Star game off of me. Um, it's not, not coming off as easily as I'd hoped. I would try a fire hose. Dude, I was going to say, how did that spectacle go for you? Like, there was a whole lot to take in. What was that like for you overall, the experience? You know, so All-Star games don't have to be good, right? Like, so I've covered probably six or seven at this point, and I don't really remember any of them as, like, being wildly competitive, even though they have, there have been some good ones in there. Um, you tend to remember the moments, but, but what, what it can't be is it just can't be embarrassing. And I, that was embarrassing. There were people around the league that were, you know, people who worked for the NBA, people who worked for other teams who were like, uh, this is a bad showcase for our product. When you have things like, you know, the soon to potentially be three time MVP saying like, this game isn't for me. Like I, if, if, if you, then, then there's something wrong with the game. There's not something wrong with Nikola Jokic. There's something wrong with the game. Um, it, it doesn't require a format tweak. We don't need another live draft or any of that stuff. What we need is we need players to just have a little bit of self-respect when it comes to this. And it's not, I don't want to see anybody taking charges. I don't need to see that level of competition. Um, it should still, it's an exhibition and it should look like it. But, but what I don't need to see is, is something that doesn't even resemble basketball, like what Jalen Brown said, you know, where it's just a glorified layup line where you have five guys on defense just standing at the three-point line, not even moving, letting guys <clears throat> do whatever they want. Like that to me is not basketball, and I, I think it was a, a bad showcase for the league um, on the heels of a pretty good showcase for the league on Saturday night. Dan Wojcicki is joining us. I agree with you. It it was not a good showcase for the league. And to your point about what we don't need is another live draft. Believe me, we do not need another live draft. I mean, is that thing still going on? I could not. And I sat through that whole thing. I didn't <laughs> think that was ever going to end. Your point, though, Dan, that, look, I understand that it's not going to be great, great basketball. Never. But there has to be moments. Like, what were your moments from last night? Was there one there- other than Vin Diesel? <laughs> Uh, there was one, Jim. Um, I, I did enjoy in the third quarter when Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum went at each other. Like, that was that was sort of the format at its best. That was um, what Austin games could be. Because, by the way, it was two guys trying. <laughs> you know? That's um, a moment. Now, granted, it was, yeah, it was one-on-one basketball. But it was two guys trying. The crowd was into it. It wasn't dude shooting from 45 feet. It wasn't uncontested dunks. It was like, you know, real honest-to-goodness competition, which, like, you, you know, it, it's funny. Um, <clears throat> whenever you, whenever something's really, really bad and you see glimmers of things that are good, it just, like, stands out. Like, covering the Lakers this year, <clears throat> you know, um, when they traded for Rui Hachimura, um, the first time he was, the Lakers were been playing small lineups all year. When, Ruchi, when Hachimura walked on the court the first time, like, he looked like he was seven foot five. It was like, oh my gosh, this is like George Miracon. He looked like a giant. <laughs> because I've been staring at six foot three small forwards all season. Um, like there was an element of that with, with Brown and Tatum. But but I think you, you know, to me it was uh like the game can have more of that. And moments moments are will be all we ever take out of all star games, right? Like they're just they're not designed to be these all time classics. No one wants to see Ray Fossey get lit up, <clears throat> you know, and never play again. Like that that's not what this should be. 
Um, but I, I just don't. I think there there has to be a, a better version of it than existed last night. Um, it was to me. It, it's a night where you get casuals and, and maybe even non fans to occasionally watch. And like, why why would you ever come back? If that's what you saw. It's a great point. Like, you get casuals and non-fans, and they don't even get exposed to basketball. And you're right. Nobody's looking for Pete Rose to run Ray Fossey into a dugout and end his career. And by the way, that exhibition back then actually did matter. Hence, Rafe or Pete Rose running Fossey into the dugout. You yeah. Know, in terms of, like, the moments, I think that's kind of funny, too. Like, you know, the bar is so low that if two guys try for three seconds, that's your most memorable moment from the game itself. <laughs> But back to what you said about Saturday night, I do agree with you. Mac McClung, like, you get this guy, and yeah. to me, it seems so bad, Dan, right? Like, we've got to find some viral sensation to fill the last spot or one of the last spots, except for the viral sensation showed up in real life and was just absolutely electric. What did you make his, of his performance? And is Shaq right when he says he saved the dunk contest? Um, I, I mean, look, I think the dunk contest, it is and will continue to be sort of the the troubled teenager of the NBA where there will be moments where um, it'll stay out too late. Maybe it'll swipe a, a bottle of booze from the liquor cabinet, but then it'll also go shovel, shovel like the old neighbor's driveway the next day. Like, there, like it'll always sort of have its moment. Um, I think Mac McClung was not – I was not surprised by Mac McClung. Um, he was with the Lakers uh, last year, their G League team. Um, definitely know who he is from – you know, playing at Georgetown to Texas Tech and the Instagram stuff and like the highlights and not at all surprised that, that he brought because again, <clears throat> this is gonna sound crazy. He he had a lot to gain. He cared about the dunk contest. <laughs> I think by and large, by the way, um, like Trey Murphy was fantastic. And and if you're not gonna have stars in this, um, like you do need guys that are invested who see it as an opportunity. And, you know, how much money did Mac McClung make himself? On, on Saturday night, hundred grand. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, like even like beyond that. Right, right. Like, sure, fair. Of, like fair. Yeah, like uh, did he make himself a million dollars? He probably did. Uh, you know, and and I think it was, um, it was a great, it was a great dunk contest performance. Um, you know, like, and and I I really enjoyed Trey Murphy. I thought it was really good. It it had sort of the elements that that a dunk contest needs. It had originality. It had not a lot of missed dunks. Um, and especially for those two guys, limited props. Um, anytime anybody ever like goes to the official sponsor of the dunk contest for some weirdo technology, like that dunk is almost always guaranteed to stink. And, and to me, that was maybe like one of the worst moments was like the airless basketball. Like we've got some sort of air shortage that we can't pump up our basketballs anymore. Right. Um, like, you, you know, but otherwise, like I thought that was great. I thought Damian Lillard was great. In the three-point contest, um, a good reminder uh, that, you know, guys like Damian Lillard, Jason Tatum, who participated in that contest, like, those are guys that are giving back to All-Star Weekend by doing this stuff. Um, I wish more players in the league would do that. I wish, um, you know, more. I mean, good. even though he missed a ton of shots, like, good on Julius Randle for participating. Um, like, I think we need more of that. Like these, Like, these players need to take – more ownership, I think, of like their role as like ambassadorship. Like, like the NBA um, is is in a pretty good place, and it is, you know, I mean, we're seeing, uh, you know, teams going for for record-setting amounts. There's going to be a huge rights deal that's coming, but like, I I don't know that this is like assured to like continue forever. And when you talk to some owners around the league, like, there's some real concerns about like where this league is going to be in ten years. And I, I think you know. Seeing um, some players invest back into it in, in just small ways um, could go a long way. And I think, you know, Saturday was was a good example. You had a guy who was really into the non-contest who did it and stole the show. Um, you had other guys, by the way, who were good. Like, like again, Trey Murphy, very worthy foil in the dunk contest. Uh-huh. Um, and, and then you had, you know, Damon Lillard, a star, um, put on a star performance in the dunk contest. Like, I, I think it was all in all pretty enjoyable. Dan Wojcik is joining us. So, Dan, what about some of the breaking news? Russell Westbrook, yeah. obviously considering his future in the buyout market, it looks like he is headed to the Clippers. I understand they need a point guard. We all know this. Not exactly a traditional point guard. Do you expect him to be any better a fit there or any more effective with the Clippers than he was with the Lakers? How does that play out? I mean, I think on paper the fit is a little better. Um, you know, the Clippers have more three-point shooting. 
Um, Russell Westbrook is a player who um, would seemingly need space to like really operate to his fullest. Uh, all of that, though, is to be said. It, it's hard. It, it's hard for me to see him in a complementary role and for him to be comfortable. It just it seems to be sort of the antithesis of who he is as a player. You know, such a do-it-all guy. Um, a guy like I've talked to his friends about this, right? Like Russ is a guy when you know you see the trunk loaded up with groceries, 10, 15 bags. Like Russ is a guy who like wants to grab all 15. You know, he thinks he's doing it to make life easier on everybody else. But, like, if you, like, you know, if you drop the eggs, man, like, it doesn't really matter that you tried. And and I think, like, there is an element of that with Russ. And, look, the Clippers don't need that, right? Like, they, they don't need a guy to come do everything. Like, they need a guy to do something. And I, and I think Russ has struggled at times with that. But, you know, the situation with the Lakers was, was always a bad fit. It was clear it was a bad fit from, like, you know, five games in. Um and, and and so maybe maybe a fresh start gives him gives him a chance to to rejuvenate a career, but but it, it's this is, these are going to be twenty really important games for Russell Westbrook because when you talk to people around the NBA, no one really knows what's next. Um, you know, if if he isn't the kind of player who can make a difference on a good team, it, it's hard to find a spot for him um, in this league, which is crazy to say about a former MVP, but but it, it really does seem like this is a really crucial stretch for him and. It doesn't come without any risk. I mean, I think the Clippers were in a pretty good spot. They seem to have found a pretty good rhythm, and um, they're going to be a very different team. When you have Russell Westbrook, he's never just on your team, Jim. He, he sort of becomes your team right. in some ways. And I think um, it'll be interesting to see if his um, experience with the Lakers make him more comfortable um, you know, potentially operating in a more complimentary role. Dude, or more aware, or more self-aware. Like, more I understand aware, why yeah. he wants them. I don't know why they want him, but I'll tell you what I do want, Dan. I don't want to make it about me, but what I do want is for the Lakers to play the Clippers in the postseason. I think you're right. I think the guy is playing for his career. If he cannot accept a role, and why would he be any more comfortable being a third wheel there than he was down the hall with the Lakers? But how awesome would it be to see these two teams lock up in the postseason? I mean, the the drama, the narratives, <clears throat> all of it would be. I mean, it'd be great. It'd be great content. <laughs> you know, we've never really, we've never gotten it, and it would already be great. But like Westbrook's, like you know, I mean, just him staring down LeBron James on the court, like you know, rocking the baby, basically saying like, "You wanted Kyrie, like now you're gonna get me in this series." Like some some version of that would be really really fun to watch. Um, I, I think a lot has to happen, especially you know from the Lakers standpoint to get there there's a, they're gonna have to play a lot of really good basketball over this final month and a half um to even be in that situation i think it's cap- they're capable potentially of it but yeah it, it is <clears throat> i think you're right jim you know it does seem like this is a more beneficial relationship <clears throat> for westbrook than it is for the clippers but <clears throat> but paul george has been very out there on this and and <clears throat> you know he knows <clears throat> he, he's totally aware of <clears throat> what um of of what Russell Westbrook can do for him. His best statistical season came with Russell Westbrook setting the table. So really interesting time for the Clippers. It's a risky thing, but I think when, when they saw what happened in the West, Kevin Durant, stuff like that, that window isn't open forever. And uh, this is a big swing. It is. Dan, one last thought. You mentioned both Kyrie and Kevin Durant. It's kind of a much bigger topic, but where do you come out on this? Adam Silver was talking about player movement. Kyrie's like, kind of incredulous like why is this a problem that I want to play someplace else why is it a problem for me to make a good business decision for myself when teams will always do that for them where do you come out like when you've got a couple of guys under contract Durant for more than several years and Kyrie not so much so but do you have any issue with that kind of player movement where stars are looking to move to other teams is that bad or good for the product of course the guys looking to do it will tell you that it's good for the product yeah I think in this case Jim like it wasn't like that disastrous for the product as a whole. Right. Like, but I also think we're talking about a really unique situation with Kyrie Irving and then sort of the fallout from that with Kevin Durant. Um, I think as a general rule, like it's probably not great for fans of teams. Like if your team <clears throat> signs a player to a three or four year deal and six months in that player wants out. Like, I, I, I don't think that's great for the game. Um, but <clears throat> I, I think in this situation in particular, Right, like, you know, you were in a situation where the Nets desperately needed a, a do-over and, and, you know, by the way, like, did pretty well 
um, despite having little leverage in this. And you had you had a guy in Kyrie Irving who they were not willing to count on for for obvious reasons. And then once that was done, Kevin Durant decided he wanted to go somewhere else. And I, I, I think I think in this particular case, it wasn't bad for the league. I do think as a general rule, like if you have guys on teams for one or two years and then they're gone, you know, the the, the game lacks continuity. Again, the product I think on the court is slightly worse in, in, in those occasions. And I think that's a bigger issue to me than, say, like the public trade demand. I mean, the appetite for this stuff, you know, in terms of talking about it and kicking up the trade machine and stuff like that, people love it, you know. Um, so that part of it, I, I kind of do agree with KD. Um, like, people love the hot stove stuff. They love the transactions. Um, but I, I think uh, – I'd even argue – excuse me. I'd even argue that some of that stuff's better than the on-the-floor product. <laughs> Was better than it was on Sunday, that's for sure. No I doubt. Think so, but once, you, yeah, but once you get to, you know, if this is if it's something where it's affecting the encore play because it's a group of five strangers playing with each other every six months, I think then that's a bigger issue. I mean, like, how great was it, um, you know, when when you would see teams battle uh, the Warriors, or when you would see like, you know, every year you'd see the same group of guys, like the Bulls and the Knicks, or the Bulls and the Pistons in the conference finals and stuff like that. And it was the same group. There was so much animosity and stuff like that. I don't want to be one of those old guys who's like back in the day, but but I always enjoy that part of it. And when guys bounce around a ton, you get less of it. I was going to say, dude, you're starting to sound older than me, and I'm old enough to be your dad. Dan Wojcik <laughs> joining us. He covers the Lakers and the NBA for the LA Times and was all over the Clippers for the Orange County Register back in the day. Good friend of the program. Appreciate you, Dan. Thanks for breaking that down. Always good to have you on the show. All right, thanks. B. Arthur was in the background was making sure he wanted to say hi to you. Tell B. I said, what's up? Deeply. I love that. I, yeah, I heard he, he B. He loves you deeply. I love it. Me too. He named his dog B. Arthur. Fact. True story. Only Dan Wojcicki.